Welcome and thank you for joining us on the Instructor Podcast, where every week we're joined by experts and innovators, leaders and game changers, so we can hold a mirror up at the instructor industry and see where we can improve and raise our standards. So if you're ready, we'll make a start. So thank you for joining us on this episode 12 of the Instructor Podcast, the last official episode in this series. We do have some bonus episodes coming up between uh, now and the start of season two, which will actually be on August the 1st. Uh, so yeah, the, the final episode in this series, and uh, I just want to take a moment to, to thank everyone for listening. It's been great getting the support that I've got. I hope that I've managed to help you in some way or another, whether it's gaining confidence, learning a new trick around marketing, uh, even if just branching out into some new area somewhere, experimenting or trying something, I hope that I've managed to help you, or at the very least, entertain you a little bit. Either way, if you've enjoyed it, make sure you give us a, a like, a subscribe, a follow, whatever it is you do, on whatever platform you're listening, that would be awesome. And we'll be back with a bang on August the 1st. As for today's episode, I am joined by Dino Tartaglia, um, who is a man of much experience, much wisdom and many words. And almost all those words are very intelligent and very helpful. And he joins us today to give us some insights on how we can run better businesses, primarily as driving instructors, how we can run better, more efficient businesses and change our mentality potentially to look at ourselves as actual business owners rather than driving instructors. We are business owners who run a driving school that we are driving instructors within, as opposed to just saying, I'm a driving instructor. And he brings a wealth of knowledge and some, some really good insights. So I'm sure you'll enjoy this episode. As always, we're joined by Chris Benstead of the DITC, who's bringing us the latest update, update from uh, the world of the DVSA and their latest offering to us. So... I'll see you on the other side with some final thoughts, uh, but for now, enjoy the show. So welcome to the Instructor Podcast, and today we are joined by Dino Tartaglia, with no G, uh, the ever insightful and knowledgeable Dino. How are you today, Dino? I'm very good, sir. Thank you for having me on the show. Looking forward to it. Oh, it's great to have you on. You're one of my, uh, I was going to say idols. I, I don't know if that's oh quite word. the right word. <laughs> but, but yes, you're definitely up there. Uh, someone that's been a big inspiration to me over the last couple of years and that uh, I follow uh, intently um, mm. and admire. But anyway, that's enough praise. I'm going to get into to what I've got you in for. Um, the first question I want to ask you is quite a broad one. I'm going into mm. as much detail as you want on this, but I'd just like to know a little bit about you, about your journey and about sort of what, what you're up to now. Oh, right. Okay. Right. Well, uh, um, ha having, having passed my driving test many, many, many years ago, <laughs> um, I, uh, I'm now the, uh, at the ripe old age where I'm entitled to discounts on public transport. So, so I, I, hit, I hit 60 the other, the other month. So I, um, I'm actually down, down, down in the south of the country at the minute, although I live up in Newcastle when, I, when I'm in the UK. 
um and i got a uh, i got a train journey down which was just lovely i have to say so uh as much as i love driving i like being on trains even more uh, so yeah i um i'm a i'm a just over 60 year old uh former electronics engineer uh, so i came off the tools if you like at a very early age when chartered did as you do then you know you start man management and all that kind of stuff um, worked all over the world. I was in, I was in oil and gas um, for, for and control systems and, and stuff for quite a while. So quite a practical bloke, um, I guess you could say. And um, been all over the place and eventually fell into, via some kind of circuitous route, business development. And I got a bit of a taste for that. I started figuring out how people worked as opposed to how systems, you know, um, sort of mechanical systems and electronic systems worked. Um, because it was just another set of processes for me and began to understand how to get people to do certain things you know, in, in a positive way, I would stress, um, and why people didn't do things. In other words, why systems failed, because ultimately systems are just designed by and run by people. So in generally, if a system is not working well, somebody hasn't thought something through properly or they're not doing the thing. Or And we were talking about this earlier on with uh, pronouns, weren't we, Terry, um, yeah. about the implementation of something, you, you have the best of intentions, but you don't think it through properly from the user experience, <clears throat> excuse me. So uh, you, um, you your best of intentions kind of fall flat because what you think is going to happen and what actually happened on the ground, uh, you know, just not happening. Frankly, you know, an illustration of that would be um, design, for example, it's somebody, somebody designing um, footpaths, you know, like, like a planning department. You look at um, where there's a bit of greenery in a city um, and the shortest route to get to where you want to go to is not to follow the path around at a right angle, but to cut across the grass. Guess what you see in most places? You know, a well-worn path because somebody's fighting reality and not putting a path in there because that's what people are going to do. Yeah, trying to, trying to force an outcome. And we'll get into that probably, I guess, as we, we, we go, the whole idea of forcing outcomes. So I, I, I kind of I went through that process of discovering you know, how people roll, got into business development, started you know getting getting a knack for that i'm not a salesman but you know per se but I'd, I'd like to think i can communicate and for me sales and business development is just about open and transparent communication um and understanding if there's a fit and just being honest you know does this is this likely to work for you good and i'm going to push push this in that case because i think it'll help or is there not a fit or not a fit yet when in that case i'm going to talk about something else like how are your kids <laughs> just some something human yeah so I, I kind of got into that, got a, got, found out how to, you know, got into my stride with it. Um, and just between being on the tools and doing the biz dev and doing troubleshooting, which is eventually what I got into, um, I just traveled all over the place. So the last time I totted this up, I'd lived in 23 countries on five continents. Uh, so I lived and worked as opposed to just visited. I think I've gone over 100 countries now in terms of countries I've visited. But in terms of living and working, so actually having experience of the culture, it's 23. Um, and, uh, and I've loved it. Uh, and it has, you know, they say travel broadens the mind. By God, it does. Yeah, you, uh, you learn to just relax a lot about a lot of different things that you think are right or wrong. Because what's wrong in one country is absolutely right. And for good reason, sometimes, um, is right in another country. And you get to just be a lot broader in your approach and a lot more forgiving, I think, as a result. Um, so yeah, um, troubleshooting, if I was to hang my hat on, on anything, you know, and just say that that's who I am, I'm a troubleshooter by nature anyway. So I'll look at a set of set of issues, 
or dramas that are going on in somebody's you know business or life or whatever and and stand back and, and generally get a, a fairly clear perspective on what's going on and we have a, this expression that success engineers at the business that simon and i set up obviously which is where you, you and i bumped into each other um which is um, brutal honesty and radical transparency um and the the reason for that is unless you understand what you're dealing with without the emotion which is really key you can't you don't have a baseline to start measuring things from and, and assessing things so then you, you're buying a story not a reality and that doesn't help anybody so if yeah if you want a personal philosophy it kind of starts there cool um it's quite an interesting uh tell you've got there um mm. and i'm going to come back and pick the bones like a little bit shortly but before we do right at the start of that you mentioned about uh driving and learning to drive and I ask everyone that come on what their experience was uh, sort of going back and learning to drive and then how you handled the, the, the test day. So I'd be yeah. intrigued for someone with, um, try and put this politely, your uh, experience, um, what it was <laughs> like when you took your test and learned to drive. Yeah. Um, so with the experience I have and the hindsight, which is always a good thing, looking back, there's no way in God's earth I should have passed my test. <laughs> first things first, just be really clear. Um, I had a very benevolent examiner, I think, on the day. And I think it was because, again, we go back to communication. I, I, I talked to the examiner through the, through the, 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 um, the test. And I don't, I mean, obviously, it's a long, long, long time ago, Terry. So I don't know if things have changed. I suspect they have. But just that clarity, you know, here's what I'm thinking as I'm approaching this junction. Here's what I, I was thinking when I made that mistake I just made. Yeah, that sort of stuff. I think that's what got me through because I fluffed it, I really did. Um, but there was clarity of thought. So I think the examiner thought, well, this, this, this guy you know, has the right idea, just needs a bit more, you know, yeah, maybe it's nerves or whatever. I was nervous, to be fair. So I, I, I passed first time. I had no earthly right to pass first time. I don't use, use that. And even then I didn't use it as a badge of honor. It was, um, I got through, Christ only knows how I got through. Um, thank, thank God, I'm gonna go and light a candle at the local church. And just put it down to put it down to luck, because <laughs> um, I, I kind of knew I shouldn't have passed, but uh, I was very grateful for that. Because of course, it's one of those things with exams, isn't it? When you pass, you pass. Yeah. There isn't a yeah. There isn't somebody doesn't go and say, well, you weren't quite quite there on the day. We kind of fluffed it. They do it again. You've got it, and you've got your license. So that, that was kind of great. Went out and got bladdered. Didn't drive, obviously, um, and it was great fun. But to get there, I um, I, I just you know. You know that expression about kissing a lot of frogs till you find your prince and all that. Yeah. I had to kiss a lot of driving instructor frogs, <laughs> basically. Um, I ended up with a guy, a local guy who was cracking. He was a very, very bright guy. We hit it off because he he was a technical guy. Um, so we kind of spoke the same language. Um, very methodical, but also great sense of humor. Highly intelligent bloke. Um, probably about the fifth driving instructor or sixth driving instructor that I tried. Um, we, and we just got into a vibe. And the way that he taught worked for me. Um, that was it. Basically, we just we we just um, became good mates. Actually, um, and he insisted pretty much as soon as I passed that I went straight in for AIM and did the advanced, um, which was great experience as well. Um, and I just I just basically followed everything he told me to do pretty much. Um, so yeah, I, the, the top tip is, um, and of course, people in your care have got that sussed. But top tip is find a driving instructor that is a fit. Yeah, um, I don't think it's our job to um fit around the driving instructors the driving instructor's job to you know to, to be a match if, if you will that's my view um and that worked for me 
I think you mentioned some real key things there that I, I want to touch back on. And, and you just said there about finding a match. I think that's massive. You know, it, it even goes back to what you said before about going to different countries and, and different countries having different uh, opinions or, or takes on, on different aspects yeah. of life. And I just think that's huge. And, and I do believe that's an area our industry is lacking. And, and I'm speaking specifically about our industry because I don't know every other industry. But I'm sure it applies elsewhere as well. But it, it's that, that mindset of, this is my way, so this can be the only way. And yeah, I think that, like you're saying there, for for students coming to lessons, you don't have to settle on your first instructor. You know, I tell mine on that first lesson, if you don't like me, be honest and tell me. You know, don't have to tell me face-to-face, <laughs> drop me a message yeah. and, and find someone else. I think that's a, a real key point, actually. What what advice would you give to instructors on how to to get that message out there and how to deliver that within your business if, if that makes sense um that's a really good question um i guess top of my head i, I just say um communicate that to people it's probably a point of differentiation because i suspect the vast majority of instructors don't do this they don't communicate this and it's um yeah people will react the way they do because you know brits don't don't like giving what they perceive to be bad news even when somebody says yeah, you know, the the New Zealand the, the New Zealand All Blacks have got a great expression: "Stab me in the front," which basically, whatever your opinion is, tell me so I I, I can get better. It's a great great um, expression, and it's that kind of "stab me in the front" approach. But if you say that to somebody, they're thinking, "Holy shit, I, I can't I can't stab you. I'm going to do that." So they don't want to deliver what they perceive to be bad news, even though you don't see it as that, because they're the way they feel about it being Brit is, oh, this is, you know, I have to let you down gently, or sometimes they just run away and never tell you. Yeah, think about the last time you sold a house, I've done a few of those, and people come around and go, oh my God, I love it, and all that. And you say to them very, very bluntly and very straight, look, that's, that's wonderful. If you're interested, let me know. And if you're not interested, can you just let me know? I'm, I'm cool either way, because it's my job to just get a lot of people to see the place so that we find a match. Yeah, you know, somebody who really loves the place and really wants to pay the money. If that's not you, that's awesome. It just helps me understand that I'm not waiting for you. Can you do that for me? And people here, um, I really want you to buy the, uh, the place. Please buy it for me because you said you liked it. That's what they hear. But it's not what you're saying. And I think it's the same with driving instructors or frankly any service provider. You say this and you mean it. And people hear something quite different, which is please like me or please, please buy my service. So it's flipping that around and just, I think, just saying it and understanding that as a driving instructor, as a, frankly, as an owner of a business, ultimately, it's your job to just bring in enough people so that you, you yourself find a match and you have enough, enough um, students who just like how you roll and are a fit for you um, so that you can better help them. And that's the, that's the job. So it's about finding a way to express yourself so that you attract those people and you repel all the people that just aren't a fit and aren't a pain in the ass of a student, because I guess flipping this around, yeah, driving instructors have got that problem too. Yeah, definitely. And it, it, again, it's interesting you say that, because this wasn't necessarily what I brought you on the episode to speak about, but just where you're saying that, mm. I'm having flashbacks now to the, the first time I ever worked with you, one on our, our first call, which was actually on my 37th birthday, I think it was. Wow. Um, okay. yeah. Wow. Um, so yeah, I can remember that, because... One of the things that you spoke to me about and that was was really niching down to who my target audience is, and that's who I want it to be. 
that's my customer, not other people's views of, of who I should be taking. It's who I want to teach. And I can remember being really, really resistant to that because, mm. you know, you brought advertise to everyone, then you'll get everyone. But so I think just before I ask you sort of advice on that, just my side of that is that now my customers are awesome. Mm. Like genuinely, they, they get filtered out or they, they self-filter by the way I am online. You know, 90% of the people I don't want to teach don't come to me because of the way I am online. Yeah. And then when I speak to them, whether it's by a phone call or message swap or whatever, they get filtered out of them and it's them not choosing me. It's not me not choosing them. It's just I filtered them out almost inadvertently by talking yeah. the way I talk. So it, it worked for me. I'm much happier in my job now because of the people I work with. So what, what, advice or, or what tips would you have for people to you know about not being afraid to niche down and then how to niche down yeah um that's a, a, another great question um th there's an old an old expression i have many old expressions um old expression if you speak to everyone you speak to no one and it's and it's exactly that uh, the person who is a perfect fit for you as a as a driving instructor and uh, as a student um, and this goes both ways, actually, um, I guess, in some respects, but particularly for the driving instructor. Um, they're out there, but they're, they're, there's a lot of noise. And in, 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 you know, certainly in, in audio and electronic terms, what you're looking to do is to increase the signal and reduce the noise. So the kind of signal to noise ratio, if you, if you like, changes. And you want to stand out. You know, the, the number one cardinal sin in any business, first off, is that you're brilliant at what you do and no bugger knows about it. Um, but then they're taking up no bugger um, and going, well, who is that? It's identifying that. Now, I'm not a huge fan of the whole, um, you know, in, 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 in the online space in particular, although this is, this is the case for marketing in general, we're taught about avatars and ideal client profiles and, you know, but basically finding the people who, yeah, and they've got, you know, 2.2 dogs and, you know, and half a leg and, <laughs> and, you know, and their granny ate this for breakfast and all that kind of stuff. And they drive a Merc. And that's great. That's the demographics. And then you get told about psychographics, which is how they think and, and all, how they feel. But generally, nobody talks about who they are, how, how much integrity have they got, how much fun are they to be around, all that kind of stuff, which is the stuff we talked about. You start putting the characteristics and the personality of somebody into that mix um, and get a feel for yeah, And you should, you know, if you, frankly, if you're doing a kind of Mad Men style appraisal of, of what your ideal customer is you should get to that level of depth but generally we're not taught this in, in 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 the business space but above everything else other than can they afford me um and and do they need what i've got so in other words are they in the market to learn to drive is it something they actually want to do or they've been told they've got to do do that um identifying those basics once that's out of the way who are they as a person imagine that person sitting in your car for you know for the next three three or four months you know what for one hour a week do you want them to be there yeah I, is it going to lift you as i say is it going to energize you or innovate you yeah where, where is that and maybe write a list of characteristics down you know, take a bit of paper stick a line down the middle and just put characteristics on what you know on kind of one side all the things that they they, they, they could be in order to generate on the other side the feelings that you get yeah, the joy that you get from, from having them there with you. Um, and if you start to do that and start focusing on that, you'll start relaxing and talking about, as you have done, manfully, by the way, um, and brilliantly. You start talking about the stuff that just makes you you. And that 
like you said, Terry, that brings in the right people and it repels the right people, providing the message is being heard. Signal the noise again. That's kind of key. So be who you are, I would say. Be more of who you are in more places. Get vocal um, and start getting intentional about it instead of just letting life happen to you as, a, as an instructor. Yeah. And again, wise words. I think that I don't know if I've mentioned this uh, before on the podcast, but I think it was last year sometime I'd seen another school put a post up about uh, sort of explicitly stating in the post, we will not pull up at Side It Road and talk. If you do an hour lesson with us, it'll be like 59 minutes of solid driving. And I didn't like that, but it was one of the most popular posts I'd seen for a while. Mm. So I just turned it around and I put a post up about what I do and say, we'll pull up at Side It Road as long as we need to. If we spend 50 minutes at Side It Road, 10 minutes driving, that's what we'll do. Yeah. And that probably garnered me more interest and more customers than any, any other post had ever done because mm. I've explicitly said, I'll work with you. And if we need to do this, we'll do this rather than, you know, being a dictatorship. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's the difference between an off-the-peg suit and a made-to-measure suit, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And again, touches back what we were saying before about finding the, the right fit for you. And if yeah. you're a customer that needs or wants an instructor that literally drives for 59 minutes out of a 60-minute lesson, then you're not the customer for me. Well, the other the other question I would have about that is, and yeah, some people, again, right, let me, let me, let me put this in the business terms. The average person who is not developed as a customer looks for the how-to. So how do I do this? So the mechanics of something. The more developed customer is asking about the thought process and how to be, not how to do. Yeah. So you came to me at a point where you were ready to, um, you were asking questions about, because the how-to do hadn't worked for you so far. So you were thinking, right, okay, I need to understand how to be. How to, you know, what is it, what has to change here in me and my approach to business as opposed to learning the hacks and learning the mechanics of the business? Same with it, the driving a car, because you know, the reality is, and I guess that the, you know, 95% of the, of the, the kind of efficacy, if you like, of, you know, being with you, the benefit of being with you is you teaching somebody how to be as a driver, yeah, rather than how to, you know, how to, how to, how to change gear, for example, yeah. So how to drive, not how to work the mechanics of the car. Because the truth is, you could go out with their dad or their mum and, and just learn, you know, and just practice that once they've got the basics. But the, the how to think as a driver, how to look ahead, you know, all the observational skills, the, the you know, the navigating skills, the, just the understanding, the processing skills, how to handle themselves when they're under stress, if they're a bit nervous or whatever, or something happens on the road, that that'll only come from you, and the you know, and 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 then experience, obviously. So. That might be 45 minutes of the lesson parked up to your point. So, yeah, people go to a good driving instructor. They don't understand that. They're not developed enough. They're going there because they think they've got to find out where the biting point is on, on, on the clutch and all that kind of shit. And, of course, it's not really about that at all, is it? No. Like, like you said, you can learn that anywhere. You could hire a car and go out with your mate and, and learn the skills. Yeah. But you're not going to learn the behaviours and the attitudes. And, and I think that's key. And, and that, again, touches back on what, what you mentioned before about the how-to and the being. And as instructors, when we become instructors, hmm. we're not, and I'm speaking from a personal point of view here, and I know a lot of people were in my situation, we're not prepared for the business side of it. Yeah. For me, it was very much, oh, I want to be an instructor. That looks fun. I'm going to yeah. go do that. 
and I started up with a national company, which made it a bit easier because they took care of a lot of business side of it. But yeah. then it's like, oh, there's all this other stuff to do, like marketing, like tax returns, you know, um, oh, yeah. like personal and, and self-development. And yeah. I'm going to ask you a really, really broad question here. So I'm almost apologies for this one, but starting up a new business like that, when it's, yeah. whether it's a driving instructor business or, or whatever it might be, what would you say would be some of the, key areas to focus on that maybe aren't necessarily the obvious areas of like for me just going doing driving lessons what would be the key areas around that um so two two things to focus on which are going to sound a bit abstract i guess to the the listeners um but we'll we'll kind of get there with this the first is identity um most people go into business because they have no choice pretty much They're, they're, they're kicked out or they've got vr or you know whatever so they leave a job and they're out in the wild um, and, and then generally speaking, you know, whether they've elected to do it, I'm saying they've got no choice. They've either elected to leave or they've left unceremoniously or somewhere in between. And now they're thinking, what the hell do I do? Or they've got a plan. But generally, it's to monetize their skills. Or they set, pick up a new set of skills. So they go and join a, you know, a, a driving, a national driving outfit and learn, learn to become a driving instructor. And there they are. That's their, that's their new life. So they're not learning that they call themselves business owners. But the, what, when you ask them at a party, you know, what do you do? Because, you know, that's generally what people do. It's, you don't get the response, I do this. You get the response, I am a driving instructor. That's an identity problem because you're not a driving instructor. Yeah, you might have the skill of a driving instructor and that might be the job of work that you do, but the business you've got is the business of delivering driving lessons and creating drivers. That's what you, that's what your business does. So I am, I am a business owner or I am a person who has a business that not I am a, does that make sense? Yeah. So the shift in emphasis is I have a business that because the business will require things of you that you will let slip. Because if it's a job, which it is, if you say I am a driving instructor and you move with that and you think like that, because most people do, I am a graphic designer. I am a physiotherapist. Everybody does that. Yeah. I am a, I'm, you know, I am an owner of a business that delivers X. I am an owner of a business that does Y. Yeah, that's different because then it's the business has to do tax returns, whether you like it or not. It has to happen because the business has that requirement. Yeah, the business is sitting at the boardroom table when you have the boardroom meeting with yourself because you are the director and the shareholder. <laughs> you are it, and the and the and the business needs representation, so it sits there personified and, and personified and said. What did you do yesterday? With you know, the accounts are you know one day away from being overdue. What did you do about that? And you're going, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which whereas if it's if it's just you not asking that question, you either firewall it and you don't think about it, or you go watch Netflix and another day slides by, and then you think, oh, I've really got it. This got to get this done. All the stuff you don't want to do. Yeah. Marketing, uh, as you mentioned before, in sales. Jay Abraham, the uh, the, the the sales and marketing genius said um paraphrasing um pretty much if you're in business you're automatically in sales and marketing and the man was not wrong he really is um we are in now whether you do it or you get somebody else to do it it needs to be done because the business requires this because again number one cardinal sin of of business you're brilliant at what you do no bugger knows how do you do that marketing predominantly so sales it should be the conclusion of marketing marketing done really well gets um ideal customers um, almost standing outside your car 
um, ready to buy a block of lessons. Sales is taking the order, making sure, first of all, they're a fit and then taking the order. That's really what sales should be. Generally, sales we see is persuasion and a bit icky and whatever. But actually, if the marketing's done well, people already know who you are and they know that you're a fit and they want to buy. Then you just got to make sure that you know you, they're making the good decision, which is really what sales is about. So there's all that stuff to sort of sort of, uh, sort of tackle, if that helps answer the question. Um, so these are the things to think about. But start by shifting identity. I'm a business owner, which is kind of which is kind of really the the, the, the key thing. And then understand that there are there are a lot of things that you have to do as a business owner because the business requires this. Get them you know, logged and start looking at how you do that, how you make it happen. Because the truth is one person, one man, one woman, whatever, um, one person can't do all of that necessarily unless there's some kind of structure and ideally some kind of help. Um, the sooner that you as a business owner accept that, the sooner you, you stop trying to kill yourself. Um, and instead of getting yourself into places where you know you get into kind of what Simon, um, the other half of success engineers calls thought furrows, good, good expression, into these mental troughs, if you like, that you can't get out of, these ruts, where you think, well, I don't have the money to buy, you know, bring anybody else in or outsource this. I'll have to do it myself. Wrong way of thinking about it. Shift your thinking. The question is, is not, um, how do I live with this? The question is, how do I solve this? And that's another probably useful takeaway. Yeah, whenever you're faced with something. Question is, how do I, how, how can I do this? How can I solve this? Not how can I live with it? Yeah. Yeah. And you, you mentioned there as well about um, bringing people in to help you. And I think that's key because, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're not necessarily explicitly meaning I'm going to pay this person to do this for me. It's not explicitly that. It's, it's getting people to help raise your level. So even if you don't want to get an accountant, well, if you get someone to train you how to do your own accounts then you're going to be able to do that quicker and more efficiently and more accurately anyway and it, it it's i say this word a lot apologies but it's interesting that you say that because it's something that i think every single guest so far has mentioned on this show about personal development and professional development mm. I, I, there's a, a real excuse upon roadblock in, in our industry about particularly paying people to help you it's that yeah. old school mindset of I'm just doing this and, and yeah. people can't see your reaction when I say that, but, but I can. So I'd love your, yeah. your thoughts on that. It tickles me. It really does. When I hear that, it's like, pardon the language, but you're a driving instructor. What the fuck do you think you are doing? Yeah. Yeah. And it's the same with every service provider. Yeah. Same. And the same question. What the fuck do you think you're, you're helping people who are paying you to help? They're outsourcing their learning to you. Yeah. And then you're helping them do that or whatever, you know, whatever services or the pain if you're a physio or, or whatever. Um, and it's the same. So it's like, well, what do you need done? Yeah, again, forget you. What does the business require? Take it away from you. What is the, the business requires this? OK, answer. You're, you're sitting around a boardroom table with the business sitting there you know, as a person saying, I need this. You're saying why the business says, well, it's a legal requirement accounts, for example, is it filing with HMRC? Okay, I accept that. So, so now we've qualified it. I'm not just going to roll over because it's just somebody else in the board, you know, in the boardroom asking these questions and demanding these things. I'm going to make sure that they're necessary because first rule of business, you know, or, or a task list, let's call it that in business is, is it necessary? Should this be done at all? It's a really good question to ask. Does this need to be done? Not now, not as urgent. Does it need to be done by me? Just does it need to be done at all? What would happen if I just didn't do this? 
what would the consequences be? And if it's, it'll all go to shit, probably needs to get done. Yeah. If it's, well, actually, I can't answer that. Probably nothing. Do you need to do it? Yeah. Good question. So you're sitting talking to the board, uh, the, 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 the business, and the business is talking back to you saying, I need this thing done. Um, and it's exactly, it gets, it gets back to the, the okay, we've now, we've now qualified this, we've established it needs to be done. This goes on the list as one of those things that has to be done regularly, you know, periodically, you know, as a one-off, whatever. The question then is how? How do we do this? How can we make this happen? Not, I can't afford it, or it's, it's not viable, or it's this or it's that. Getting the negative shit out of your head. The other thing that you, you mentioned, you mentioned personal development a few times, Terry, and, and, and rightly so. Obviously, we, I mean, God, Car uh, Simon and I have a, have a business model called character-led business for exactly that reason. It's about, you know, we talked about this in terms of finding your ideal client or attracting the right sort of people who are just fun to be around and, and just lift you up when they're in the car, which is great. Uh, and that's an ideal, but, you know, it's, not, it's one you should shoot for as a driving instructor, I think, and in, in any business. Character-led business picks out characteristics, traits that people have, you know, and not just personality, um, sort of personality types and all that, but actually um, what, you know, what are their values, if you like? How do they roll? How do they express that? Which is really what your character is. It's the outward expression of who you are. Yeah. So we, we, we kind of look for this. When, when we flip this around as business owners, then we start asking questions like, well, what do we need? What are our values? What do we want as a business? Uh, don't be a creature of circumstance, be a creator of circumstance, decide on the type of business that you want um, within the confines of, of you, you owning a, a driving school and figure out what that looks like. What type of driving school do you want? What sort of people do you, do you want? Do you want to be a one man band or one woman band? Do you want to have um, other instructors? Yeah. Do you want to be national? Do you want to be you know, local? Why? Yeah. Most importantly, what drives that? Is it, you know, will that bring you happiness? Will you feel fulfilled? These are questions you've got to ask. Then, the, then, then you start looking at who you are as a person and looking at your characteristics. Right, well, that scares the shit out of me. Okay, in order to deal with that, then I need a bit more courage because you don't you eliminate fear, you step into it with courage. That's how you handle fear. Yeah, um, Bravery is not the absence of fear. Yeah, It's doing it anyway and facing it. So you need a bit more courage. Um, I'm always straight with my, my, my students. No. Should I be? Well, yeah, that's one of my values. So honesty. Okay. You've got to work on your integrity. Yeah. Characteristic. So that's personal development to, to your point. It just, you know, I, I just felt I might go off on a bit of a tangent there and just <laughs> maybe explain that because a lot of people hear the term and don't really know what it means. Um, and there's a, there's a great expression um, that you have to be before you do. Um, and it's kind of true. You know, sometimes you do in order to be, you know, because you get the experience from that and, and, it, and it forces you to grow a bit. Because we grow through challenge. There aren't many other ways we grow. Yeah, We grow as people. We grow through challenge. Sometimes that's not a good challenge. Sometimes that's a great challenge. Look at any Olympian. You know, they pick their challenges. You look at athletes. They pick their challenges because they understand that that's a point of weakness that they need to, to, to grow or develop. Or they need to just get a bit stronger in that area. And we don't think about that in business, but it's exactly the same. Could call it Olympic thinking. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's another aspect of personal development. What is it in my business? What is it me as a human being even that I'd like to, I'd like to improve? Okay. Again, back to no judgment, radical transparency, brutal honesty. What is it? Okay. That's what it is. Okay. How do I, how do I, yeah, again, how can I, how do I fix that? How do I improve that? How do I get better? Um, 
So that, that's my, my kind of view on that. And that you put that into the mix. I am a business owner. I have a business that, not I am a driving instructor. And basically, how do I bring better people in as, as a fit for my business? And how do I become better? So I attract those people and I'm worthy of that. Yeah. Um, fairly simple philosophy, I think, that would transform an awful lot of driving instructors' businesses. Yeah, definitely. It's. I think there's a fear there sometimes of, of because one of my fears was wasting money. It's like paying for a course or, or something, yeah. and it, it not working. And I've done that. But even when I look back now, it's like it may not have worked for me. It's still, I've still learned from it. You know, even if the learn is not to go back to that person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah, there's always a learn there. Um, the other thing I particularly wanted to speak to you about, because again, this is something that you helped me with in the early days. And I sort of think it would be a miss not to speak about it with you, is prices. And yeah. um, within the industry, I suppose, again, it applies to every industry, but mm. it's, a, it's a massive talking point in ours. Uh, I'm in a lot of Facebook groups and there's not a day go by when someone doesn't ask about prices. Yeah. There's a fear. And again, this used to be me. There's a fear yeah. of increasing your prices that you'll lose money. There's um, this notion that certain postcodes will only accept pay a certain price and, and there's obviously an element of truth to that you know look at house prices for that example yeah. but i'm just gonna throw that to you yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> just yeah. leave that there um all right so so there's, there's a concept called price elasticity which is essentially just how far prices will stretch from top to bottom in, in a given market so that there are you know this idea that you can just double your prices you know in the online space there's a lot of this bullshit that's, that's spoken about oh just double your prices you know and the market will stand it. it's like well it's easy for you to say mate yeah um and by the way just as a on that point um, you, you were talking about you know learning experiences and going through learning curves. One of the things for for I guess the guys listening in particular to, to bear in mind is if somebody gives you advice and there is no consequence to them for getting the advice wrong. You know if you implement the advice, be very wary about taking the advice. They need skin in the game, or they need to demonstrate that they've had skin skin in the game. Then yeah, I'm not saying take it at face value, but at least consider it. But if if it's not there and there's no risk to them, be very very wary about taking the advice. Yeah. Somebody has to understand. Bruce Lee said it really well. If you want to learn to swim, jump in the water. That's the bit of the quote everybody knows. The second bit of the quote is on dry land, no frame of mind is ever going to help you. Yeah. You got to be in the water to experience what it's like to get wet, to potentially feel, you know, the fear of drowning if you can't swim, etc. And it's the same. Somebody has to have gone through what you've gone through or at least relate to it like a coach who maybe has never played the game but is, is close enough to the action to understand what's going on and has been around long enough. They need to understand that so that they can give you, you know, sound advice. But if there's no consequence to them in some way, shape or form, even if it's just reputation, be very wary of taking the advice. So on pricing, with that, all of that said, yeah, I'm, I'm very wary when somebody says, oh, just go and do this. That's another bloody red flag. Just this and just that. Um, it's a, you know, most people are nervous about it because they've got, a, 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 frankly, a relationship with money issue, or there's a self-worth issue, or there's a belief issue. There's something getting in the way of them just going, yeah, absolutely, this is worth X, and I'll, I'll find the right people. Because the truth is, generally, you will. So there's a, there's a handful of things here. First is, be, be clear that what you're giving is worth, you know, for, if you stand on the other side of this and look at the customer experience, is it worth the money to the right person? Are they in, you know, do they have that aspiration, that need or that pain to the degree where they're prepared to pay that amount of money 
for you know a block of lessons. Yeah. Um, particularly when they're looking around the market and going, well, you know, everyone else or most people are 15 or 20 or 30% cheaper than that. Yeah. The so it's it's what what lens are they looking at to evaluate, you know, to evaluate this and then get aligned in terms of the lens that you use and the lens that they use to see the value. Because the truth is you don't determine the value that the customer does. If they don't use what you give them, there is no value. Yeah. Even though you might think inherently, well, I'm giving loads of value. No, you don't. What you do is provide something that is potentially useful. They determine the value. Yeah. Yeah, that's, a, that's a mind shift I think it's useful for everybody. So on that basis then, how useful could it be? Um, well, they desperately, you know, they, they, they've got a job that they, they've lined up and they've, they, they said they can, they, you know, they can drive, or they're, about, they, they, they're going to drive or it's contingent upon them being able to drive and have a, having a license. And they've got three months and you've got to get them through their test and they've got to pass. Okay, pressure's on. What's that worth to them? Very, very different dynamic from uh, well, I quite fancy driving and get yeah and getting through my test. And um, where's you know who's the cheapest on the market? Again, we go back to attracting the right people. You don't want those people because that's transactional. You want to build a relationship. Yeah. So that's the other thing. Um, if you build relationships with your market and with the people, and then people can feel that relationship building like they do with you because you're a personality, and people warm to you then they will pay the extra because they want to be around you and because they trust you. And probably even before they necessarily know you, they trust you and they have respect for you to actually deliver. They feel like you're the guy that's going to get them through the test. So you're a safe pair of hands. That has value. So think about it from that perspective. How does somebody feel around you? How are they going to feel when they're in the car? And when they have a bit of a meltdown and you handle it better than anybody else that they could possibly have paid um, money to, is that worth an extra 20 or 30%? Yeah, of course it is. You just got to find those people. So is that helpful? That's beautifully put. <laughs> no, it really is. Because again, it sums up my experience, you know, and, yeah. and the key phrase said their relationship building. And I think that's what it is. I think that's massively underestimated in our, I suppose, many industries. Yeah. Um, Brilliant. Well, we're going to sort of wrap up now. Um, but before we do, I'm going to ask you if you would be kind enough to leave us with one piece of advice. If you were to want to leave one piece of advice, one tip for our industry, what would you offer to us now? I can give you a more generic thing, um, if, if it's useful, about how you get from where you are to where you want to be. Yeah. So two, two points to this. I'll, I'll, I'll use a kind of driving analogy if I can. <laughs> so, People are very, very good at envisioning the future. If, if, you, if you ask them to do like a perfect day exercise, you know, imagine yourself in five years' time and your business is delivered you know, as the vehicle, essentially, it delivers the life that you want because ultimately that's kind of what we want, yeah? Um, that's why we get into business generally. Um, it's delivered this thing and it's, it's a halcyon thing and it's amazing. And you know, imagine you step into that five years down the line. What does your day look like? What does the coffee smell like? And you get all that kind of stuff. It's a useful exercise, to be fair. But it's a bit of a flight of fancy. So we kind of get all of that. But So we're very, very good at going, all oh, right, well, I want to earn 10 grand a month or 20 grand a month. And I want to have this life and have this house. And that, that, that's all lovely. That's your point X in the distance. That's the place that you punch into the sat nav to say, take me to there. Yeah. What most people are really shit at doing is figuring out where they are where they start from. So they look at when, they, when they're in business, not at the start of the business, just at where they are right now in terms of where they are on their journey. So I call that your point A, which is the starting point now. 
not the starting point when you started the business. Yeah, just if you're starting the business, that's your point A. If you've been three years in the business, that's your point A. This is where you start from for the next phase of your journey to take you to your point X. We're really shit at that because it isn't just what, you know, what's going on, but who you are. We talked about being, you know, be, do, have, give. Um, being the sort of person that attracts the sort of people that are just going to lift you up and be great clients and great students. Being the sort of person that can build a business that turns over 30, 40 grand a month or, or 10 grand a month or whatever. Yeah, whatever it is that you want. Because again, you just reverse engineer what you want. You know, from from this is the life I want. That's what it's going to cost. This is what I need to. Yeah, you reverse engineer it. So you are that that person. So you're figuring out who am I? What level of you know what characteristics have I got? What level of business acumen have I got? How good a, a driving instructor am I? All those things. What are my skills? So that's your starting point, and we're shit at that. So I I, I kind of say to to most of the guys that that I coach. Um, if you can't figure out where you are, how the hell do you figure out your route to get to where you want to be? Yeah. So think of the sat nav. This is you've been dropped. Um, you've been you've been smuggled out of Manchester, and you've been dumped somewhere up and just on the outskirts of Aberdeen, dropped into a car with a sat nav. What you don't know is the sat nav is not plugged into the GPS and it's defective. So it, it's just going to make this up as it goes along. So you 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 know you you're a bit befuddled and you're uh, you're a little bit scared. But you you find yourself with a blindfold off in a car with instructions to drive to London, and you go oh, dutifully, okay, fine. Looks like I'm okay. I'll start the engine. I'll punch up. You know, I'll punch in the the, the address in, in London, and off we go. So you punch the address in, and the sat nav goes, great. There's your route. What you don't know, you're in the outskirts of Aberdeen, and you don't know this, is it's taking you from Manchester because it thinks you're still there. Yeah. So your route now takes you from Manchester to to London, and you start driving. Guess what happens? You ain't going anywhere <laughs> pretty fast. And we run our businesses and our life like that. Yeah. Because we don't know where we're starting from. So my, my advice generally to people is figure out the, the point A and you generally need a coach for that. You need, there's a great expression. You can't read the label from inside the book. You need that outside perspective to help you. So get, get clarity. It's a really, really good term. Get clarity. It's a superpower of being clear. Get clarity on where you are, get clarity on where you want to go, and then you build your yellow brick road to take you there. And the way you do that is instead of going, right, I'm at point A, I'm earning three grand a month, I want to get point X, let's just take a really simple analogy, I want to earn 10 grand a month, so the gap is seven grand, yeah? So my route, if you like, has to produce seven grand. Sounds very logical, yeah? The problem is most people that go into business, driving instructors will be no different, is they see the 7,000 as the problem, the gap is the problem. The gap is not the problem. The gap is all the, the symptoms of all of the problems that, that lead you to not earning 10 grand a month now. Because if you didn't have those problems, you'd be earning 10 grand a month. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. So, so what we do is we now we've got a point A, now we've got a point X. We build the yellow brick road by going, okay, what's the first problem I need to solve here? What's the most pressing issue? Probably a marketing issue, maybe. Yeah, I'm not getting the right students in. Maybe a pricing issue. I'm not charging enough. Yeah, so I put in all the hours, and actually, if I, if I if I work fifty hours a week or sixty hours a week, I still can't earn enough. That's a pricing issue. Yeah, so you solve the first problem, you you lay the foundations for it, you stick on the yellow brick, your first yellow brick, you stand on it, and you make sure it's secure. Problem solution. Then the the next thing, which might be a marketing issue or a visibility issue. Okay, let's solve that. Lay the foundation, 
put the yellow brick on it, make sure it's set, stand in it. Now you've got two yellow bricks. And bit by bit, problem solution, problem solution, problem solution, you build your yellow brick road before you know where you are. You've gone from three grand a month to 10 grand a month. That would be the best. I know it's not just a tip, but in terms of a philosophy, that's how I would approach building your business. And that's why I wanted you to come on my podcast. <laughs> knowledge and insights like that. Going right back to what I said at the beginning of this podcast, every yeah. insightful and knowledgeable. Um, which also brings me on to the reason, uh, what I would say is uh, anyone listening to this now should give Dino a follow. Um, he's, he's always dropping stuff online on, on LinkedIn, on Facebook and whatnot. Um, are you doing your defreeze at the minute or are they on a slight sabbatical? They, they've been on a sabbatical for a while. I think it'll be another couple of weeks, probably get into the middle of June um, and then I'll be back doing them. Uh, we will be posting most of them up on YouTube. The YouTube channel goes live um, next week, I think. Yeah, um, it's there now, but uh, there's there's not a lot that we've actually published on it. Although there is more of this type of stuff on there. There's a, a historical bank of defreeze, which is a daily dose of Dino, which I was yes. scrolling through again the other day and seeing all the different countries you've done, <laughs> which was quite yeah. That's, back when we could do that sort of thing, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I did enjoy that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so on that note, where can people find you? Take a minute to uh, tell people where you can find you. Anything you want to promote? Anything that you would advise people come and check out from you? Um, yeah, thanks. Um, okay, so uh, guys, for the for if you if this has been useful and you want more of it, um, you can find me on Facebook. So just Dino Tartaglia, I'll be in the show notes, presumably. Yeah, um, find me on Facebook on my wall if you want to get an understanding of uh, the ridiculous sense of humor I've got, as well as the other <laughs> kind of nonsense that I spout. Facebook's the best way to see me. Um, LinkedIn, if you want uh, the more thoughtful, kind of you know, more business like stuff, I'm on LinkedIn. Find me there, come and connect. Um, get around our free group it's currently free it will be chargeable soon enough because there's a shed load of good stuff in there called success unlocked um, again i hope hopefully that'll be in the show notes um, and if you want to elevate your thinking and what i call collapse time so make things move faster for you um, then we have a little program called the accelerator exceo the accelerator which is get better faster basically hence the name um, which is not a lot of money um, and i'm looking Currently, actually, to be fair, and I've probably not shared this with you, uh, Terry, I'm looking for what I call brick and mortar businesses. So people who are not online, because we've got enough online people to, you know, people who've got real overheads, if you like, not working from the kitchen table. And I don't, I don't want to be disparaging of people who do that, because we've got some brilliant people who do that. Um, but it's nice sometimes to bring people into our world who have got actual overheads, sometimes actual staff, but, you know, real costs, as well as just, you know, paying the household bills. Um and I'm looking for people to come into the accelerator to give that breadth, if you like, of additional experience. And also because Simon and I come from brick and mortar, that's our world. We came online. So we're very real, if you like, a very real world. So um, if any of the guys are interested in, like I said, in, in getting better, collapsing time, sharpening their business up and doing it fast, then uh, the accelerator is the place for that. Yeah, and I would highly recommend that. Um, anyone listen, I'm in that. I take a lot from it, even if at the minute it's just a little bit of clarity on a Monday morning. Um, yes, yeah. <laughs> take a lot from that. Uh, yeah, all this little stuff will be in the show notes. There'll be links in there. One other thing I'm going to give a little shout out on your behalf. Uh, if you listen to this, you'll like podcasts. Um, Dino does have a podcast out with Simon Hartley. It was called, what was it, uh, Back Bedroom to Big Business? Yeah, um, actually, just on that, thank you for that. Um, just on that, we've got one season at the minute. Um, it sounds like um, quite often when people come across Simon and I, because Simon deals with a lot of corporate, um, it sounds like we are big business. And the reality is we take 
particularly from Simon, who's worked with you know Olympians and he's worked at the world class level and is a world class coach himself. We take the insights from the best in the world and go, okay, how can we use these things as ordinary people in our small businesses so that we don't make the mistakes that a lot of people who don't know this stuff make? That's really the philosophy. So back bedroom to big business isn't about building bigger; it's about building better. If that if that makes sense. Um, so it's it's worth a listen for that reason. Yeah, and if, if you use that as your little introduction to Dino, you'll you'll get a good introduction. Um, so yeah, thank you for joining us today. It's been brilliant having you on. You're someone I've been looking forward to to picking the brain of. Uh, so yeah, thank you for joining us. Been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, thanks, Terry. So big thank you to, to Dino for joining us there. Um, as you've heard, I've, I've done some work with Dino. Dino helped me many years ago. Well, it feels like many years ago. I think it was two years ago to, to get started, to get back on track um, with the new way of running my business, which I hadn't done previously, which included a price increase, as you heard in the episode itself. So yeah, big thanks, Dino. Some, some real words of wisdom there. Um, make sure you go follow him. Uh, even if you just follow him on LinkedIn or Facebook, he drops some real knowledge just on his feed every day. So definitely worth a follow there. Uh, subscribe to his group, um, even the paid one. But even if you just join the free one, that, that's great as well. And check out his podcast. Uh, it's some of that I listen to, and it's one of the, the more thought-provoking ones. And as he said, it's back bedroom to big business, which is essentially what it is. You know, you, you think about a driving school, we're just a small local business that's capable of growing a little bit so yeah i touched on this earlier uh, at the start of the show but again i do just want to say a, a thank you to everyone that's listened it's great to it's great to have people listening and gaining something from the show um really appreciate all the feedback i've got as well obviously it's going to be a little bit more quiet over the next four weeks with the uh sort of pot the official podcast coming to an end there is going to be a couple of bonus shows coming up. Well, more than a couple, actually, between now and then. But the the, the proper season two kicks off on August the 1st. So make sure you're subscribed so that when we go live on August the 1st, it drops straight into your feed and you can crack on. Because we've already got some awesome guests lined up that will remain secret until shortly before they arrive on the show. But yeah, big thank you to you all. I'm going to head over to Chris from the DITC with the latest news in a minute. Um, but yeah, cheers for joining me and stay safe for the next few weeks. Hi, Chris Benstead here from the Driving Instructor and Trainers Collective, the DITC, the signposting point for the driver trainer industry. So we are bringing the Instructor Podcast some updates from the DVSA uh, correspondents and they sent out um, an update on private practice. Uh, which caused a lot of confusion. Uh, I know I've had pupils get in touch and, and weren't quite sure what was going on. Uh, I know Terry said he had people wondering if they should go and buy a car. Um, I think the DVSA themselves had issues because they sent out a bit of a um, correction or um, you know, clarification of, of what they meant. So uh, what we got sent as instructors, letting your pupils know about the rule changes. We are emailing all theory test and practical candidates with the test booking to let them know about the changes to the rules around private practice. We would encourage your pupils to have a combination of driving lessons with you and private practice with family or friends. 
during the pandemic, there have been restrictions on who your pupils can have private practice with and the types of journeys where this could happen. As restrictions are relaxed, we would like to encourage your pupils to have private practice and for you to work closely with their supervising driver to help them be better prepared for their driving test. What you can do to help. For your pupils with theory tests booked, this is a good way to put the knowledge and theory they have learnt into practice. This is particularly important for your pupils who learn whilst doing. For your pupils who have a practical test booked, this is a good way for them to practice their skills to support their lessons with you. DVSA research with learners found that those who had private practice with friends and family in addition to their professional instruction are 1.4 times more likely to pass their test compared to those that do not have private practice. There is guidance on getting the most from private practice on the official learning to drive guide available from the TSO shop. It's important that you discuss which areas of driving each of your pupils need to work on when they're doing private practice. This will help them cover the areas that they need to improve as they prepare for their test. Your pupils can record their private practice using a useful free record, which can be downloaded from gov.uk. So that's what they had to say. Um, and clearly the wording on the... Um, learner driver one the one that went out to the to the candidates wasn't clear um and there were a number of posts on facebook that were very confused and you know they, they weren't really sure um regarding the private practice log um it's all right you know re record your private practice i wonder if this is a precursor to the outcomes of driver 2020 and moving towards some kind of graduated system they have the date of the private practice uh the conditions wet snow ice darkness um i like the fact it's darkness not night time country roads town and city planning and following your own route including a sat nav then comments from the person supervising you and questions or concerns you'd like to talk to your driving instructor about do you know what not bad it's um encouraging engagement with the instructor and it's probably something that's worth pointing people in the direction of um i think i'm going to be adding that into my pupil resources so that was the email from the dvsa at the same time we get from our colleagues in northern ireland the dva uh, dva monthly tests conducted statistics so I had these drop into my inbox uh, they are for the tests which were conducted in May. Uh, and interestingly, the figures look, if we kind of average things out, uh, normally they are conducting 60 to 70,000 tests per month for cars specifically. And for April and May, they've been conducting about 39,000. So it would be very interesting to have a look at the DBSA figures for comparison and to see you know, quite what how things have been affected. I was speaking to a test centre manager yesterday and they were saying that initially after lockdown, there were a lot of private runners and standards had clearly dropped. The people that were taking the very early tests coming back, um, but that, that has really levelled out. 
and the work that people have put in and the experience that they've been getting does in their opinion um, seem to be showing through they haven't noticed a, a drop which is i think what we're all worried about with the extensive waiting lists and the you know i'll take it just in case approach and they also said that you know that they don't feel that inside that 30 minutes you can really get lucky without it showing that you're not ready there's you know the pressure of the day and the conditions on the road really do show out during that time so it was interesting having a chat with them and finding out exactly what's going on uh, at, at their end of things um, the main thing was if you have any questions if there's anything you're not sure about or if there's any concerns get in touch with your local test center manager and you know have a chat about it they appreciate that there's a lot of give and take going on um, and you know it was nice to hear that they're inviting those phone calls um, I have to say we are lucky locally to where I am uh, we've got some some great LVTMs test center managers so um, they were very keen to keen to help so private practice is a good thing 1.4 uh, times more likely to pass uh, there's a surprise and consider how you're engaging with both pupils and parents uh, if you know that is the demographic of learner driver that you have in how you can get the best out of that practice you know i think this is going to be something that is going to be revisited driver 2020 is is pushing in that direction as well be it from logbooks or additional experience and and those kind of areas having a modular system which i know the dia was having a look at and anyone who's interested we are broadcasting the young driver focus uh, report on the ditc podcast channel uh, i'm sure terry will include a link so we've got more of those going up now slight glitch while i found time to record them uh, more of those going up now and uh, you know lots more happening in the future so keep in touch uh, keep an eye on our social media and we will make sure that you get to hear through the Instructor Podcast what exactly is going on with us. Stay safe, everyone. So thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you click subscribe wherever you're listening so that the next one will drop straight into your podcast feed. If you want to get in touch with the show, head over to tcdrive.co.uk. You can get in touch with me by any method over there. And remember, let's just keep raising standards and stay safe. Thank you.